Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Don't Get Done Connections podcast, where Dave and I talk all things professional wrestling. Wrestling. This is episode number 57, where we'll be going over the last week in professional wrestling. Um, today is Monday, December 28th, 2020. Uh, we're going to be going over Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW. Um, not in detail, but the big talking points from the last week in professional wrestling. Yeah. But we need to start with giving our condolences to the family of, it's John Huber, right? Yeah, John Brody, Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee, Brody Lee a.k.a. Um, um, Luke Harper. Yes, Luke Harper. Um, sadly, out of nowhere, passed away on Saturday night. Um, the reports started coming out Saturday late um, with a non-COVID-19 related lung issue. I like how they have um, to specify that nowadays. Yeah. I'm assuming it's um, related to the reason that he's been off TV for a few weeks. Yeah, because um, he hasn't uh, Tony Khan on- came out, um, I want to say it's about four weeks ago now, and I know Brody Lee was supposed to do something on um, on AEW or whatever, and then all of a sudden he was kind of like written off the show pretty quickly, and then he came out and made a statement about, oh, when when he's ready to come back, he will be back. And um, there's big plans for him and stuff. So, yeah. And unfortunately, he did lose uh, lose that fight with that lung that lung issue. Yes. Um, so, but condolences to the Huber family. Yes, um, he will be greatly missed. An incredible in ring talent, an incredible guy behind the scenes. I've I've been seeing all these wrestlers post about him. That he yeah, was, regardless of promotion, was, everybody's posting about the guy. Yeah, he was so much different than any of the characters he ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which that's that sucks to see Huge someone family that young man, go. you know, and and forty one. I mean, forty one leaving behind a young. wife and two kids, two young kids. Yeah, but now that that downer is done, we've given our condolences. We need to get into the big news from the week. My yes. opinion, the the biggest note from this week is we have a brand new Intercontinental Champion. I mean, I respect your opinion about that being the biggest note, but man, there's something else we're going to talk about later that I think's way better than him being the Intercontinental Champion. And I love that Big E Langston is now the Intercontinental Champion again, makes him a two-time champion. Um, I think it was the right move. I think uh, WWE did the right thing by uh, ending their, basically their calendar year on such a high positive note. I loved the match. I loved the fact yeah. that it was a lumberjack match. You yeah, know, it was a lot of fun. It followed a lot of the lumberjack stipulations, which is like when the face gets dumped out of the ring, the heels attack him, and when the heel gets dumped out of the ring, the face is just thrown back into the ring, and then mm-hmm. there's a big brawl, and then the heel tries to run away. It was just, it was so well booked. It was awesome to see uh, the changing of the title. This just means that there is momentum behind Big, big e, e to get him into that title picture, which is awesome. Just oh, simply. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what I heard is in an interview with um, Big E and Paul Heyman is Paul Heyman is saying this is giving some legitimacy to him being a future challenger for Roman Reigns. Yes, This is 100%. the stepping stone in the direction. Well, that's what the Intercontinental title has always been. The Intercontinental yeah, title has always been the workhorse championship and the guy who proves he can elevate the title mm-hmm. is then moved into... That, that top, top card. title picture, exactly. So, like, you look at gentlemen who 
elevated the title throughout its lineage, whether that's Shawn Michaels, whether that's um, Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart. I'm sure there are other great champions. You, you know, you yeah. can't talk about the Intercontinental title without talking about Honky Tonk Man or talking about Mr. Perfect mm-hmm. or talking about Razor Ramon. None of those guys ever got a world championship title, but look at the errors that they were wrestling in. Yeah, Mr. Exactly. Perfect and Honky Tonk Man were held down by someone like Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. played all the political mind games when he was in professional wrestling, okay? And then you're going to look at someone like Razor Ramon, Diesel, Triple H, uh, Sean, I'm, I'm sorry, Diesel, um, Shawn Michaels, Brett the Hitman Hot. Like, what was he supposed to do? At that time, they were pushing Yokozuna and Lex Luger. So, you know, unfortunately, Razor Ramon just, it may be the greatest world uh, wrestler yeah, to never hold yeah. a world championship. In any yeah. promotion. He never held it in WCW or no. WWF. Yeah. So, the, huge props to Big E. I'm yeah. very happy to see him with the belt, considering that the New Day did lose their titles to uh, yeah. the Hurt Business. So Exactly. Which, um, again, talking about perfectly. Correct, correct choices, yes. him, them dropping the belts was the correct choice. Yes, it was. And uh, getting the belt off of Sami Zayn, he's done a great job with that title. Oh, he's, he's made been it, ingre- incredible. He's made it relevant. I mean... The big thing about him is he was the perfect shit heel to hold that title. Exactly. He would keep, he would keep his title by count out. He'd keep his title by, you know, cheating. Like he cheated Apollo Crews out of the title by getting him handcuffed to the ring or tied up in the ring apron and stuff like that to get the count out victory. I like, wouldn't put it on the exact same s- scale, but very similar to how The Miz was when he was a heel with the IC Championship. Yeah, yeah. Back in like yeah. 16. Yeah, very similar. Very similar. Or very similar to the way that Seth Rollins was a heel champion. Like, yeah. always had somebody running in to help him out. I mean... Yeah, as world champion. There was, there was no faction to help out Sami Zayn because he had alienated himself, and that was proven at TLC that he had yeah. alienated himself to a lot of people. But um, the fact that, you know, he couldn't get away. Apollo Crews caught up to him at the end of the match, threw mm-hmm. him back in the ring. Yeah. Big ending. One, two, three. And we have a new Intercontinental Champion, so congratulations to Big E Langston. Yep. Um, one other thing that I didn't put on a notes list here. The first announced participant oh. in the 2021 Royal Rumble, yes. Yes. Daniel yes. Bryan. I am so excited. I hope he enters number one. I hope he does too. I hope um, he enters I think it'd be one. really good. Um, will he win it? Ooh, not Possibly. For... There's a possibility he could. I mean... Um, he He's been that long-standing um wrestler that it i don't think he'll ever be back at that precipice because he's had conversation about wanting to take time off and wanting to go to a more part-time schedule well yeah because his contract is coming up and they've been talking about how like he wants to go to more of a part-time schedule and he want you know he even stepped away during this whole thing to be a family man to be with his wife and his kids and do all that but um, man, him winning the Rumble, that'd be huge. Um, I do think he's going to enter at the number one position. Uh, the last person to even sniff winning the Royal Rumble from either one or two was Finn Balor a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. When he had that incredible one run when uh, Shinsuke ended up winning it. Yeah. Because so, everyone thought it was going to be Finn as yeah. that match went on. Yeah, as it kept going on, it's like, wow, they're going to put him back in the Universal title picture. Oh, my God, oh, my God. And then Shinsuke won, and we got the AJ Styles stuff, which was good. It wasn't great, yeah. but it was good. 
Um, I mean, I, I do want to see Brian enter one. I want to see him have a long run I would in the love Rumble. to see him to enter number one and then run 45, 50 minutes. Well, he already holds the record for the longest uh, active in, amount of time in GRR, inside of the yeah. Rumble. Yeah, because he did it in... Um, in Saudi, uh, at yeah, the Great no, Royal no. Rumble. he didn't. He didn't go to Saudi, did he? I thought he did it at um. No, when that they went was to, uh, um. Oh my God, when they went to Australia, right? No, the Greatest Royal Rumble was in Saudi. Oh, why did I think? They, they, I know he holds the record right now for the longest amount of time inside of a single Royal Rumble. So maybe it wasn't Saudi. Maybe it was a different one. But um, the Greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah, that was in Saudi Arabia. Okay, so maybe it was somebody else. I thought it was him. And he was part of that match, yeah. Oh, he was part of that match? Yeah, let me just make sure. Oh, wow, because I didn't think he ever went over there. Braun Strowman won that. Yep, he got that ugly green belt. Because Daniel Bryan entered number one in the Greatest Royal Rumble and was in the match for one hour 16 minutes and five seconds wow okay he I was never eliminated thought. by big Cass right and that's before what kicked off, that's what kicked off their feud yeah he was eliminated okay. by big Cass before braun eliminated Cass. okay so he made it to the last three wow big Cass in the last three of a royal rumble jesus how yeah. how a couple of years have changed things huh well it's because he entered 49th no, I know. I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, next note I have is Roman Reigns retains his title um, inside a steel cage against Kevin Owens. Great match. Very good match, yeah. Um, yeah. There were moments where I thought Kevin was going to win this match. But you know what? The thing is, is, yeah, there were moments where you could taste it, you could feel it, but it didn't have the same oomph as TLC because at TLC, yeah. man, Oh God! Like they were teasing you so much with it, and you knew they weren't going to change the title on the same SmackDown that you knew there was going to be a title change for the Intercontinental Championship. They weren't going to change two belts, especially the Universal Title, especially the way they're booking Roman Reigns right yeah. now. It wouldn't yeah, have exactly. happened. So, as much as you could fantasize and you could you could get yourself riled up for it, it wasn't going to happen on that episode. And I mean, it was a great match. Um, once again, Uso gets himself involved by handcuffing Owens to the cage, and I love Which, how Roman Reigns just strolls out of the ring. Like, he just walks nonchalantly out of the yeah. ring. And and Kevin Owens is great with a live mic. Because well, he, he was calling him, you bitch. Yep. You're just a bitch. Yep. Exactly. Um, fight me like a man or something like that. Yep. It was great. So good. So good. Um, The next thing is across multiple brands. The women's tag team division. Is something mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about. Okay. There are quite a few thrown together tag teams in this division. Tell me one that isn't thrown together. Uh, uh, Riot Squad. Okay. And they were the only one not involved this week. They were the only one that was not involved this week. No, but they were backstage watching. They were backstage watching, but they were not in the match. We nope. had Bailey and Carmella who have nothing to do with each other, and mm-hmm. Sasha and Bianca, who only matter together because they're both feuding with Bailey and Carmella. Yes, correct. And then you have Charlotte and Asuka as the champions, and on Monday you had Nia and Shayna. Mm-hmm. 
there are no legitimate women's tag teams right now because so you ha- broke up one of your most important relevant women's tag teams in the Iconics. We continue to go back to this because yeah, we do. you're getting rid of perfectly good teams together just to put them in other non-flowing teams. So, I have two tag teams I want to throw out there that are in the women's division um, that we haven't really seen anything from maybe in about two months. And one of these tag teams we haven't seen all year for whatever reason. So, the first one is Casey Cananzaro and Caden Cotter. Yes, um, I can agree with that. They were doing a lot of tag team work in NXT together, and they worked very well together as a tag team, whether mm-hmm. it was stuff that was going on with Zia Lee, um, whether it was uh, stuff that was going on with Tony Storm Angle, whatever it may be. They worked really well together, and I mean, they haven't done anything on TV for a couple of weeks, but I think that they could get a good push within that tag division. The yeah. second one is Jessamyn Duke and Marina, Marina Shafir. That's the now, other one I was thinking you were thinking I of. don't know what happened this year because they were riding high last year. Coming into 2020, it seemed like, man, they were ready to do this whole like three horsewomen stable thing with you know, Shayna Baszler. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it's just like it fell off a cliff. And it's not mm-hmm. like they don't have any pull within the NXT brand. I mean... One of them's married to Roddy Strong. I mean, mm-hmm. give me a break. So there's some pull as to what they can do. Are they still too green? Is that the problem? I really don't know. But if if you're going to try to reestablish tag teams in the women's division, I really think we need to do some stuff with Casey Cananzaro, Caden Cotta, and get Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir out there. Get them doing squash matches against people. You know, some development yeah. talent that are in, you know, the development center. center. Yeah, just get them out there. Get them to a stage of relevance where, you know, they can get in the ring with someone like an Oscar and a Charlotte Flair. And they can work safe because they're in there with people who can work with a broom. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. So, those are two tag teams I'd like to see maybe make a move. I'd like to see the belts on the Riot Squad as a legitimate tag team, whether or not they're going to take them off of Charlotte anytime soon. We've already seen earlier this year that Charlotte doesn't lose to anybody because she basically killed Rhea Ripley's push from 2019 into 2020 by beating her at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And whether that was yep. her choice or that was management's choice, whatever, it was a bad choice because it hurt the NXT women's title. It really killed Rhea Ripley this year. And what ended up coming out of it? She didn't even take the pinfall in the triple threat match. Rhea had to take that pinfall as well. Mm-hmm. Because so, she can't lose to anybody. No, exactly. It's the it's the flair lineage. It's the flair mentality, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, as far as the women's tag division is concerned, I almost feel like they need to do a hard reset with a couple of people. I think Peyton Royce and Lacey need- Evans can work together. They just got to figure out how it's going to work because unfortunately like the squabbling lovers or thing like that they do like squabbling sisters i should say it, yeah. they did that with Shayna Baszler and and Nia Jackson and, and it doesn't work it doesn't yeah, work so, with the other two so so what i think would help and it really worked in impact is and it worked in uh AEW when they did their women's tag champion uh title uh tournament Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't for a title, but it was a women's tag tournament in AEW where they had, it was a deadly draw, where don't reset tag teams, 
but put together a tournament with these tag teams to legitimize them as tag teams and put no. these already built tag teams like the Riot Squad, like Carter and Cantanzaro, and like um, the Horsewomen into this tournament to re-legitimize them yeah. and bring them to prominency in the women's tag division. Yeah, 100%, because, man. Because in Impact, they had a women's tag division, and they had, I think it was Jordan Grace and Taya Valkyrie were tag team partners, which I don't think before that, them two had anything to do with each other, and it's worked. It has worked very well between the two of them. So well, time will we, tell, but they've got to fix that division because, actually, yeah. WWE has to fix all its tag divisions. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just that's facts. Yeah, there's 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 not much going on in tag team wrestling in WWE right now. Yeah, and that's across all brands. Yeah, I mean they're good champions. They're good teams holding the belts, whether whatever brand you look at. Um, yes, you know Oni Lock and Danny Birch, um, the Hurt Business, the Street Profits. They're all good teams that are holding the belts. But again, we run into the problem of there just isn't enough tag teams to sustain three belts across three brands. It just exactly. doesn't really work. And the biggest problem is, is on NXT, you don't have any face teams. Everybody's heels right now. Yeah. You have GYV. So, the only face you really Imperium. have is... Um, yeah, Imperium. The only face you really have is um, Killian Dane and uh, Drake Rockstar Maverick. Spud. Drake Maverick, yeah. yeah. And they just lost this past week in a exactly. very weird so, stipulation straight which fight we'll, thing. we'll get to that in a little yeah. bit. Um, the next segment, uh, the next point I want to bring up is Alexa Bliss is keeping the Fiend spirit alive. I think that's the perfect way to keep the Fiend alive right now on Monday because Night Raw. do not bring the Fiend back. By God, do not bring the Fiend back too early because you will just kill anything Randy Orton has behind him. Because if the Fiend finds himself back on WWE programming in two weeks, that completely destroys the entire motivation and the entire Inferno match. Because you watched the Fiend go up in flames for him to return three weeks later, two weeks later, whatever. Don't well, do it. Remember, Use the Fiend Alexa as that proxy. Well, see... Here's what I'll disagree with you is the fiend is supposed to be like this omnipresence, right? It's supposed to be this otherworldly creature. Again, very similar to how the Undertaker was booked very early in his career. Didn't take a lot of losses. He got buried alive, thrown in a casket, came back a couple of weeks later. I think if the fiend were to return sooner than later, I think what that does is that really messes with the mentality of one Randy Orton. I think he wouldn't know how to recover from such so, a so tr- such a you know a shocking return because he thought in his own right he basically ended Bray Wyatt and the Fiend. And so I'll an- tell you something right now, you cannot return one without returning the other. They both have to come back at the same time. But I Bright think you need fiend, to have yes. a more twisted Firefly Funhouse, almost as if now you didn't kill the Fiend. You killed Bray Wyatt. The Fiend now controls the Firefly Funhouse, and now there is an even worse version 
of the fiend. Once you get this worst version of the fiend, it is going to really, really shake Randy Orton. Like, oh yeah, without a doubt. Randy Orton without has no idea what he's going to have to do to kill this creature at this point. And that's when I think you're going to get that more omnipresent, not so much coming out yeah. and having fun fiend. I think you're going to get that very dangerous creature that he can possibly be. Yeah, he will. It'll start becoming squash matches with without any sense of the imagination. Squash matches all the time. Yes, correct. It, it's it, no offense. Now you I hit do him like, with something, he will turn around and hit you harder. I do like Alexa, like you're saying, keeping everything alive while he's out there doing whatever he has to do. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious as to see where her character turns. Yeah, I can agree with that. She's going to be interesting coming into 2021 for sure. Yeah. The next thing I want to mention is... Uh, this is the highlight to me. Oh, this fight is the highlight pit. to me. I fight love the fight pit. coming back. Oh, my God. Um, that was... We're getting a Timothy Thatcher, Tommaso Ciampa fight pit at New Year's Evil. That was almost a candidate for me for match of the year. Really? That Matt Riddle, Timothy Thatcher fight pit... Was it like a passing of the torch, brutalizing match between two stiff workers who know how to do joint manipulation and mm-hmm. every little nuance of Matt Rat? Oh, that match was so good. Thatcher getting two teeth knocked out, having Kurt Angle as a special guest rep. That was a phenomenal match. I cannot wait to see Champa versus uh, Thatcher. In this fight pit. This is the highlight to me of the entire This will week. probably be match of the night for New Year's Evil. No, it won't. No? Nope. Oh, no, yeah, we're no, getting no. we're getting Balor O'Reilly, too. Exactly, exactly. And, I, right. I mean, we're going to go over another match that was just announced, but I think the full card is officially announced at this point, right? It, if not now, it will definitely be Wednesday. Yeah. Because so. Wednesday on NXT, they might have another match they might add. They might do, I don't know if LeRae is going to be cleared, but they might do a LeRae versus Shotzi, um, Shotzi match. Well, I don't think she's going to be cleared because she does have, a, it was a break. So, so yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the next segment real quickly, but let's go over this New Year's Evil thing. We have Champa versus Thatcher, which I, oh God, I cannot wait for that match. I, yeah. I really cannot wait. We're going to then have, a last woman standing match. Raquel Gonzalez versus Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. That match is going to be so good. Two powerhouses just going after each other. And the thing is, one of them, like we said, came into 2020 with such fire. fire and it just got completely extinguished at WrestleMania and mm-hmm. she hasn't recovered since and I don't think she comes out of this match either just a you know just a personal th- thought I I have a feeling that this is Rhea Ripley's last match in NXT and okay. she will find herself in the Royal Rumble and called up after the Royal Rumble okay Maybe she costs, you know, something to do with. Um, well, I keep her away from Charlotte Flair. Just keep her away from Charlotte Flair. She that, that she hurt is her not going to be involved in the title picture. Yeah, just keep I her away from Charlotte Flair. I think she will find herself on SmackDown. 
So next match that's been announced, Karrion Cross versus Damian Priest. Oh, this God. is going to be so good. But Cross has to come out. Period. Oh, has to. Has to come out on top. To. Because you know where his trajectory is going. We know where it's he's going headed to, to. Exactly. He's going to be facing Balor. And then um, the last match. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. There's, there's two other matches I think that have been announced. Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Championship, which what a banger that first match was. What oh, yeah. promos the two of them cut this past Wednesday talking about yeah. each other. Oh, my God. God, he's Bala's like, you know what? You were kind of under the radar the first time we faced. You know what? You're on my radar. Not a good move. Mm-hmm. Not a good move to be on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, O'Reilly talking about how he's like, well, I've already broken your jaw once. Why don't we do this again? I'm not afraid to do it again. And then um, a match that I'm very happy to uh, be seeing um because I, I, I love Tony Storm. Oh, God, I love Tony Storm. She's unbelievable. Um, Io Shirai and Tony Storm for the NXT Women's Championship. This mm-hmm. is going to be another good match. Another another really, really, really good match. And I think Io still comes out unscathed in this. Um, although, would it shock me if Tony won? No. No, it wouldn't um, shock me. Uh, it should be Io who comes out. I think Io's meant to lose his title to Raquel Gonzalez personally. Yeah, I can agree with that. Because the, the, the strap on Raquel's back is still there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. After after War Games, yeah, they, they're firing her to the, to the, to the moon. To the moon. Um, speaking about backs and in a different kind of back, a return, the yes. colossal Bronson Reed found his way back. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um. He's going to definitely find himself in that mid-card, in that North American Championship uh, division very soon. Well, he was just there. I know. He was there. And, you know, everyone thought he was going to be the one to come out of that ladder match that Priest ended up winning. A lot of people were riding high on this guy. And then, again, it was just one of those things where the wind kind of got taken out of the sails a little bit. And then he took a step back. Um if it had kind of anything to do with COVID, if it had anything to do with COVID or not, he was off TV for a little bit. He came back this past week, a little bit different of a haircut, um, and just truly dominating. Like like reminds me a lot of Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, a I was thinking lot that. Of yeah, Bam Bam Bigelow, like big man who can really hit the top rope and really make some noise by doing splashes and sentons and stuff like that. So Oh yeah. He he is going to be a force to be reckoned with and mm-hmm. he may be the one who takes it off of um Gargano. Yeah. That true, I like, can see that. David versus Goliath except Goliath is the good guy and David's the bad guy and the yeah. Gargano way um may hold him down for one match but not for more than one match. Mhm. They'll get a, they'll get a second match. The Gargano will get involved, get taken out, and he'll win. Yeah, exactly. Now let us talk about one more thing. This is the last thing I have on my list. I don't know if you have any other notes. Um, can we just talk about how street fight tag matches, specifically the last two that occurred this week, make zero sense how they're actually being done? It's well, a street fight. It's a street fight, so it should just be... It should be tornado rules. Exactly. Anything goes. 
You don't need to tag in and out. Nope. No counts. Nope. Um, if you tag and you don't get out of the ring, there's not a five count because that's a disqualification. In a street fight, there's no DQ. Yep. Like, I, I don't know if it's the... It's definitely... I don't think it's the booking decision, but I think it's just their execution is... Oh, it's a tag. It's a street fight, but it's well, also a tag match. Is, so we got to tag like in the, and out. So the Dane, um, Maverick, the Dane Maverick and Birch Walken match. The way that started, it started like a complete madhouse. Like the way you would expect a street fight to start. Yeah. You know, only Locke and Danny Birch walking down to the ring. They get jumped. Um, they just basically get pul- they're pulverizing each other outside the ring. Then it just turned into a traditional tag team match. And it was like, well, I thought this was a street fight. It was booked as a street fight. Why isn't it a street fight? I want to see a street fight. It didn't happen. Um, yeah, and I mean, the one on Raw, the six-man one, was even worse. Because yeah. it was a traditional tag match for the first 95%. And then someone got hit through a table, I think, and that was about it. I don't know. I It's... they. I think what needs to happen is... Like, the writers need to, like, sit there and just basically just get in a room and just be like, all right, these are the types of matches. This is how they have to be booked. This is how we have to make sure we use them. Yeah. Because they're all over the place. And it's not just a fault to the writers. It's a fault to the way the referees are managing these matches. They're the ring generals when they're out there. I mean, we all know the real ring general is Volta. But what I'm yes. saying is the guys who run the show inside the ring are the refs. They're the ones who are mm-hmm. making sure that people stay safe. They're the ones calling to the back to let them know if there's somebody hurt, whatever it may be. But they're also the ones who are like have to play the whole distraction game so people can get involved in stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you have some referees who call for disqualifications as soon as someone gets involved. And you have some referees who see someone get involved and just go and talk to them and tell them, oh, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. No. They need to get these guys all in line, all on board, following the same patterns so this way that you're getting they, a more consistent product across that's exactly all the it. brands. They need more consistency. Because if you look at AEW, okay, why are they so good at producing match after match after match after match. Don't worry. Don't get me wrong. They do have some low matches. They're, they're, but that's more to do with a spot being missed or them doing too many flips and stuff like that. But look at like the way the referees control the ring. I mean, and don't forget, they have all world-class referees who spent many, 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 many years in WWE. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mike Chioda and Earl Hebner. There is not a lack of talent of referees within the AEW brand. And I'm not saying that the guys in WWE aren't talented. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is that there's a true inconsistency to how the matches are being refereed in the WWE brand from brand to brand to brand to brand. So yeah. that's just my big gripe. I just really think that the writers need to sit down. They need to say, okay, this is what a street fight is. This is what a no-holds-bar match is. This is what a ladders match is. This is what a tables match is. This is what a TLC match is. This is what a Hell in a Cell is. Do Hell in Cells end in a no contest? No, they don't. So they need to sit down. They need to have a true session with their referee talent, so this way they can understand of how they should be performing within that squared circle as the true ring generals that are supposed to be running the show. Mm-hmm. Well, that also brought what you just said, how Hell in a Cell doesn't come to a no contest. That brought something up to me. 
Seth Rollins got a slap on the wrist and yelled at for using a mallet on the fiend. But mm-hmm. Randy Orton set the fiend on fire. Nothing. Nothing. Refs didn't say shit. There, there was no, no ref. Refs. Yeah, there was no ref. There was no ref. There yeah. was no commentators. Like, yeah, you could hear Samoa Joe and, you know, all those guys talking, but um, they weren't out there. Nobody was well, stopping because it was Orton. it was a cinematic, I'll put it in quotes, cinematic match. Yeah, it was like a live cinematic match. I feel like they had to reshoot a couple of things maybe, but um, the flow of the match didn't feel cinematic. It felt like it was actually happening. Do you know yes. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but it's just like one of those things as far as like consistency. Said, consistency with the refereeing and with the way that you're going to label these matches. If you want to just label it a tag match, just label it a tag match. It's not like tag teams haven't run in before at the beginning of a bell and jump people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's been yeah. happening for years. For years. It happens. So And it happens in regular matches too, because we it, saw it on SmackDown where Jey Uso ran in on Daniel. Exactly. And he and it just so happened that unfortunately it wasn't enough. <laughs> so Yeah. Um But I think Well, actually I wanted to bring up one it, other point. Okay. It was wasn't one we had written down, it was one that popped into my head. What do you feel about NXT making more of a <sighs> acknowledgement of the 205 live show. So are you asking, should they, or do you feel, because they do mention it, like they were talking about like the number one contender for, you know, um, the Cruiserweight so Championship and stuff the, like that. Is the but question, I, should they refer to it more and make it like, more canon? I think that the 205 Live show should be more canon towards NXT because of the people in NXT who are not able to get to that mid-card title are going after that the Cruiserweight title. title. And a lot of the stuff that happens with that Cruiserweight title happens on 205 Live. So yes. I think there needs to be more recognition of what is happening on 205 Live by NXT. Just like I feel like Raw needs to make more recognition of what happens on main event to yeah. help build characters on Raw. Yeah, you know, because then it then it also draws attraction to those shows. To those shows and make people want to say, "Oh, 205's on this time. Mm-hmm. I'll go check it out." Because oh, they're having a number one contenders person. match. Oh wow! Yeah. All right, I got to check this out because I mean, I really like the cruiserweight division, and you know, I want to see what happens with this match. I yeah, that's just I I agree my with opinion. You. So I agree with you on that. Okay, cool. Um, but other than that, I think that basically wraps up everything we wanted to talk about this week. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, or otherwise about what we discussed on this episode, obviously you can hit us up at David the Doink, at DJ Aldo, or at Double Doink Network on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you guys liked what you heard, you can like, share, subscribe the show on all your favorite streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Um, but that basically wraps everything up here. I have been Josh. I have been Dave. And we've got two words for you. Doinks out. Doinks out.